What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 11 of the Conflict News Analysis Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with my friend Nick, who specializes in current events in South America. We had a good time chatting about different affairs taking place in the region. Hey, Nick, what's going on? Hey, how are you, man? Doing well, doing well. I was um, I was super busy uh, yesterday with with all that shit going on in Russia. Oh yeah, I saw that. That was crazy. <laughs> yeah, I had, yeah, I had my uh, my phone open, my laptop open. And I was just like scrolling through so much; it was crazy. Yeah, um, literally, I was like in bed, just getting ready to go to sleep. Open Telegram. I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> it's getting yeah. it's getting crazy out there. Yeah, it was a wild day. And then it just out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, it was total bummer, dude. I was so disappointed. Biggest disappointment in recent history. I know. It was so anticlimactic. I was like, damn. I really thought some shit was going to pop off. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. He was like, I just don't understand why he made that deal with Poon. Like, he, he's... He's a dead man. They're going to get his ass. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, um, so yeah, man, how, how you been? You've been, uh, you know, what's, what's the latest news in South America? What's the biggest thing happening right now? Um, I mean, there's always shit going on, but, uh, recently the protests in Argentina and Jujuy were pretty significant. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, didn't, uh, I, I didn't look too much into that. Um, yeah, but the, the country in, in South America that I, like, I think I guess I know the most about is Colombia, but that's just because I go there pretty often. Um, you know, my wife is from there, so I go there and, and I, I like the scenery, I like the food. So, I, you know, I've done a lot of research there and, and I really liked your post that you did about Colombia, too. The, the narcos and the guerrilla fighters, very interesting. Yeah, and I, I have to admit that it, it's kind of the inverse with me. I, I don't know as much as I should about the northern part of South America. Um, I tend to focus a lot of my research more on Argentina and the southern cone, you know, Chile, Argentina, Uruguay. Um, but that's just because, you know, like me, my um, my girlfriend's from Argentina. So that's kind of where my interest started with the region. But yeah, have I definitely been, need to, to do more research. Have you, have you been to Argentina? Yeah, yeah. I've been there multiple times, going there again next month. I'm trying to uh, branch out, go to other places too, like Uruguay, Chile, Brazil. Yeah, I, I definitely want to go to Brazil and Argentina like pretty bad. I hear Argentina is beautiful. Um, they they have a lot of over there. Don't they have like a, a huge like European influence? So a lot of their architecture and their their layout is very European, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it, more in the the Buenos Aires region. Um, when I was there, it felt like a little bit of a mix between like Italy, Germany some French architecture and also felt a little bit like a United States too. Oh, okay. That's interesting. It's interesting. So, uh, um, yeah, now go on. How, how was your uh, time in Colombia? I, I noticed you were there just, you know, 
recently. Oh, dude, I, I love Colombia. It's great. The only <laughs> – I think I, this might be in South America in general. The only issues that I, I, whenever I run into when I'm in South America is, like, in the cities, there's just so much traffic. Like, like I don't know, getting around is so hectic. And nobody – there's, like, <laughs> no traffic laws. So everyone's just driving all over the place. And it's, like, I don't know, that – that's always the issue I run into, but I love going down there. It's great. It's a lot of fun. Um, we went to Tyrona Park. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's a huge, like, national park. Um, beaches, mountains. Uh, we got to see, you know, a lot of really nice scenery. Um, got to hang out at the beach. Um, eat great food. You know, the food's really good. And it was it was a good time, man, you know. Um, yeah, it seems like you uh, saw it all beaches mountains <laughs> fantastic food <laughs> well yeah i've been down there a few times uh we went to the tyrone park and then we went to medellin uh after that i've been to medellin like four times now um i love that city it's really nice uh and and the city it, it, it's super modern like you, when i go every time i go down there it it just gets nicer um which I find really interesting. You know, the first time I went to Medellin, it was nice, but it wasn't that nice. And and this last time I went, a lot of things were new. A lot of things were updated, uh, you know, new cars driving around, like um, nice cars too, like Beamers, Mercedes, whatever. Wow. Um, the first, yeah, the first time I went to Medellin, it wasn't like that at all. And now it, it's, I don't know. It, it just seems like um, it's getting really modern. And I was looking at properties and stuff. Uh, you know, I was thinking about getting like an investment property there and it's not really that cheap anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, Oh man, like what's going on down here? Like they're, they're really, I don't know. They're really coming into their own, I guess. Yeah. I, that's what I've seen. Um, especially, you know, the, the big cities in uh, Colombia, they're like blowing up. They're really getting that investment. But I don't know if the rest of Colombia is like that outside the cities. So outside of Medellin, I've been to a couple like smaller cities and um, no, they're not as nice in my opinion. Um, you know, it, it's hard to say. Um, a, a place like Colombia, their, their middle class isn't really as like built up, you know, as like right. other countries. Um even though we're starting to have a middle class issue in the states as well, but um, you know what I'm saying. Like when there when there's a weak middle class, like you don't get in those rural areas, you get a lot of poverty, and and that's what I what I've seen really is why a lot of those neighborhoods like Narcos are able to take over, or like the FARC or the ELN, like that's how they were able to exert a lot of their influence because when you're super poor and and you don't really have a lot of opportunities, you know who do you turn to? And it's the people that, you know, come into those towns and villages that really give those opportunities, you know? Right. A hundred percent. I mean, wealth inequality is pretty big issue, not just in Colombia, but, you know, the entirety of South America. Yeah. You know, something I did see that was a little concerning to me um, when I was in Colombia that I didn't see the last time I was there. Um, so you know how they, they they had their election, they have this new president who's like the first, um, you know, he was a former M19, uh, communist guerrilla fighter. And, and he's like the first like left leaning president they've had really. 
um, you know, I noticed some a, a lot of uh, communist graffiti all around uh, the city. And I saw in one place there was even a communist flag. And I was like, hmm, this is interesting. Like, wh- where's this influence coming from? You know, um, I see, uh, you know, I've seen more of it now than I, than the last time I was there. So that was a little concerning to me. Yeah, 100%. I mean, even um, just the entire region, I think, uh, you know, due to the Cold War, a lot of their uh, communist kind of um, sympathies or leanings kind of got suppressed super heavily. So you're you're kind of seeing that reemerge right now. Um, even in Hui with those protests, there was a lot of far left leaning, you know, Marxist ideology groups who were taking advantage of the protests and kind of putting their own spin on the protests and uh, promoting you know, the, the current government, the pronist against the opposition, which I thought was super interesting because you don't really see, I mean, you do a little bit here, but it's not as prevalent or widespread. The actual like left leaning groups really pushing out their own view uh, regarding current events. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you see those groups in the States, but they get a lot of pushback. So it's right, like, right. yeah, so it's like, you know, they'll, they'll come around. But then also I've noticed in the States too, like a lot of times as, you know, a lot of, a lot of the kids, it's like a lot of like younger people that kind of lean that way. And then as they get older, they start to kind of realize that you gotta, you know, you can't just get free stuff. I mean, it, you know, you probably know better than me. Um, like, that's kind of what happened in Venezuela, right? Because Venezuela at one point was the one of the best economies in South America. And it was it was one of the wealthiest um, countries uh, down there. And now, you know, it's a mess. Um, and I guess that was that that probably happened because of what some type of socialist uh, emergence or, or what happened down there? Well, when people say that, you know, Venezuela was a super prosperous economy before and then the communists came and ruined it, 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 it's not really like that because, again, going back to this wealth inequality issue, um, you know, Venezuela was super unequal, right? Mm, okay. Which kind of gave way to the uh, Chavinist socialist kind of movement rising up because uh, people wanted to address that issue of wealth inequality. However, um, you know, Hugo Chavez, he didn't really address that. He kind of just started pumping money into the economy through the country's oil sales, right? So just lots of government subsidies, but that didn't address the underlying structural issues with the country. And then when oil uh, prices collapsed, I mean, we saw consequences of that. Right. Yeah. Cause their, their whole economy was based off oil. Cause they, you know, what else did they really have? It was, it was pretty much just the oil, right? Right. And you know, that's an issue plaguing the entire regions, this kind of resource curse uh, where mm. these countries see, you know, we're making all this money from resources. Why should we, we don't have an incentive to, to really diversify our economy. Let's just keep selling oil, keep selling lithium, keep selling gold, whatever the resource is. Oh, okay. You know, lithium is interesting because um, you've posted about it, but it seems like China's trying to move in on South America pretty, pretty aggressively. Um, yes. Yeah, which is, which is very concerning to me, especially because the states and I guess, uh, you know, the rest of the world pretty much wants to try to move to electric vehicles. 
And if China's controlling all the lithium, I mean, <laughs> then what happens now? Now it becomes we have to kind of, you know, deal with them and they can't, they control the price. A hundred percent. And I think this is something that people don't really um, realize, especially in the United States or in the West. Uh, China's becoming a major car manufacturer. I mean, just. I was looking at the other day the the top um, car manufacturers by just raw uh, output, and there was probably three or four Chinese companies on that top ten list. You know, just pushing out as many cars as possible. And we don't see Chinese cars in the West because, you know, our relationship with China. But in the the rest of the world, Chinese cars are are becoming a alternative. Oh, I see. Yeah, man, that's that's so crazy. Yeah, I mean, um, so, so the who, what country has a like a lot of the lithium mines? Is it is it Peru that has a lot, or? So uh, I'm trying to remember, I can't remember. So there's there's a triangle. It's uh, most of it is in Chile. Okay. But there's also a significant portion in Argentina and Bolivia. Um, but that was just prior to, you know, the whole lithium craze. That was where most of the known lithium was. But after what's going down with uh, China heavily investing in the region and, you know, those countries nationalizing their uh, lithium companies, the United States and the West started looking for lithium, you know, lots of exploration and i saw in the united states um, we got lithium mines starting in nevada a lot in canada too so domestic production is gonna explode uh in the near future well that's definitely good i think we need to focus on domestic production in a lot of different things if you know as much as possible um yeah so what's up with what's up with the chinese influence in ecuador what are they what are they doing over there? So Ecuador is kind of just like the rest of the region. The Chinese are just at this point they probably have a whole playbook, a strategy for it, but they're just heavily investing um with economic influence, just dumping massive amounts of money into these countries. Uh especially, you know, a country like Ecuador that I, I don't think they're gonna be able to repay their debt and they weren't able to repay their debt. They had to kind of restructure their debt with China back, I believe it was like 2010. Uh, they were forced to sell um, their state-owned oil company to the Chinese, right? And um, they're building up these massive ports kind of near the, the Panama Canal, right? To use Ecuador as like a trading hub for the region, um, you know, by ocean trade, you know, uh, Pacific and Atlantic, yeah, that seems to be China's playbook. Um, they do they do the same thing in Africa too. Um, that's 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 interesting. Yeah, that, that's interesting that they're doing that down there. Um, so, I, let's let's jump into a little bit more about Argentina. Um, sure. You know they they're going through kind of an economic crisis. Uh, so like, could, you know, could you elaborate on that a little bit more? Like what caused it? What do you think the future outcome of it is? Stuff like that. Oh man. So it's kind of, (laughs) it's, it's, it's a tough question. No, but, um, 
it's hard to to really pinpoint exactly where it started because you know ever since i i, I would argue that argentina's economic woes started with the great depression and they never gone over the great depression uh just those structural economic issues have persisted um I mean, if you just look throughout the country's history with all the instability going on um, from the you know time of Perón with uh, his kind of socialist, populist kind of policies where the government was spending way more than they were capable, uh, that led to debt and trade imbalances and uh, a lack of industrial base. And then that just carried on. Um, and if you look into the, the 80s, they defaulted on their debt with the Falklands War. Um, after that, they were having, uh, you know, inflation issues in the 90s. And that kind of came to a head in 2001. That's probably one of the most important points in Argentina's economic history is 2001. It was serious. It was really bad. Like their economy collapsed in 2001. There was riots in the streets you know, one day your, your peso would be worth something. And then literally the next day, nothing like you wouldn't be able to buy food. It was that bad. So we're kind of just seeing, I guess the next steps of, of this um, crisis from 2001 carrying on, you know, 20 years later today, um, because that collapse in 2001 kind of triggered this populist kind of economic, um, feeling within the country these people started turning to you know left-leaning ideologies because they're like our country sucks we don't have money the government's handing out free stuff right and that did not help argentina i mean since 2001 they defaulted on their debt like three times mm. that seems to be a recurring theme it's like when whenever the i don't know the people are suffering they kind of lean more towards the left and I don't know. It never, it never seems to make it better, <laughs> right? Yeah, and it's you can't really fault the people for that, right? No, of course not. Of course not, because like what you know, what else can you do in that situation? Like you said, if all of a sudden your money's worthless, <laughs> you're like, wait, okay, so I need food and and shelter and everything. Okay, the government's willing to help. Might as well get something from them, you know. Right, a hundred percent. And you know, with Argentina, it's kind of uh, it's like th- it's frustrating to see, but and this for the the region as a whole too, is that their politics are pretty divisive, right? It's very polarized. If you think it's polarizing the United States, it's pretty polarized down there too. But it depends on the country, of course. I don't want to generalize the entire region, but you know, for example, like Brazil and Argentina, you just see them swinging from one end to the other, you know, from far left to far right populist. It's always populism. Really? So like, like when there's different elections, they'll just, they'll have like a, a swing that far. Like it'll be like extremes. Yeah. I mean, like, for example, um, people, absolutely hated bolsonaro in brazil right right because of his policies and stuff so it was a pretty close vote um 
because again the country's so split politically that they they kind of went towards Lula, who is, you know, very left leaning in his ideology. So, I mean, it, you see that here too with the United States with Trump and Biden, but I guess for the region it, it's more pronounced just due to the, the uh, region's history and uh, the structural issues. The people are want more, I guess, radical change. They don't want a politician who's going to explain to them all these minute details and they're, okay, we'll see a change in 30 years due to adjusting the economy or whatever, right? They want change and they want it now. Oh, okay. I see. I see. All right. Wow. Interesting. Oh, man. So, um, uh, not really that recently. This is a few months back, but I had seen that in Peru there was a lot going on. Um, there were like protests going on, riots going on, and that was because the the president was. What did he try to do? He got he tried to dissolve the government, right? Or yeah, something? he essentially he essentially cooed himself. Right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. So what like what's been going on with that? I haven't really been keeping up with with Peru. Um. So I'm about to actually delve deep into uh, Peru on my Instagram. But yeah, essentially the president cooed himself and it completely backfired. No one in the government supported his decision. So they arrested him. And the government that is now in place is super unpopular because the president had a lot of support among the people, especially like rural people, um, because he was a communist. I mean, he was left leaning. He was made all these promises to the people that he's going to improve the situation in Peru. And how the people see it is that the, the establishment, right, these corrupt politicians kind of stole that from the people, right? Mm. They're, they're selfish. They, want, they don't want the, the government to spend money on them, right? So they got rid of the, the communist president. And Peru's government is now kind of, I don't, I don't want to say they're, they're, right they're like center right ish um again i i don't know as much as i should i'm gonna do more research uh this week for peru but all i know is that peru's government's very isolated a lot of the left-leaning governments in not just south america but all latin america kind of reject peru um even Mexico, uh, they, there's a super big feud going on between Mexico's president and Peru. Um, they declared him persona non grata in Peru, so he's not allowed to enter the country. Oh, wow. Wow. What, what, what caused that? Do you know? Or? Um, I think it's just because Mexico declared their support for the previous president, and they, they saw what happened uh. as completely just not okay okay all right yeah that makes sense damn (laughs) yeah just wondering what was going on over there because i had seen some stuff happening and then i don't know this this russia ukraine war has been taking up all my time all my thoughts so i've just been really focused on that region of the world um yeah yeah um that's kind of why i started my account um at first i i didn't want to do it <laughs> per se yeah. i i just was um you know started following all these OSINT accounts looking at different news coverage and i saw there was a gap right i was looking for someone who was covering latin america and i didn't 
see anyone doing that really. Um, I mean, I, I have seen some people cover some issues from time to time where uh, Del Moler, she's fantastic. She covers Mexico. So her account's amazing. But I was seeing like, especially countries like Brazil. I mean, Brazil's the kind of powerhouse of South America and, and Latin America. And there wasn't enough coverage of that. So I just started doing it because I saw no one else was doing it. No, that's great. Um, I I do. I look to your account for like information on South America. I don't really follow anyone else that kind of does that, you know. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate the updates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I really like that post you did about Colombia. You, you did two, I think. You did one about the the communists and you did one about the narcos, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those I found really interesting because, of course, like I said, I'm kind of biased towards, like, learning about Colombia because I go there a lot. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, I like them a lot. I love the country. Um, so in, in Colombia, though, so there was the FARC and there still currently is the ELN, but FARC didn't quite disappear, right? They kind of splintered off into some dissident groups. Yes, yes. Yeah. The, the, the government signed a ceasefire with FARC. And of course, you know, there's elements because of the kind of decentralized nature, um, nature excuse me, of the organization. Uh, there were some people who didn't agree. They're like, oh, like, no, like we, we want to keep fighting. You know, we want to keep making that, that money from the drugs. We want to keep fighting the government. And they they broke off and did their own kind of thing. So it's not like one particular organization. There's a lot. Yeah. So that's kind of what I've seen. Like they kind of splintered off. And because of that, it's kind of a little bit disorganized, but they're still pretty dangerous. Um, right. I mean, I mean, do, do they still does FARC still kind of engage in combat against like the, the government or, you know, what are they are they still they're still moving drugs probably. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's been sporadic. There's been. um Less so with the government and more just with each other, trying to gain territorial control, uh, uh, trying to, to expand their power within the region. And especially uh, due to Venezuela, uh, you know, just the destabilized nature of Venezuela, they're able to cross the border and the you know, Colombian government can't really do anything about that. Right. Yeah. So when so when I was speaking with my wife about it, um, She's from Cucuta, which is really close to the border um, between Venezuela and Colombia. And she's told me that, uh, you know, at that border, because what's what kind of splits Colombia and Venezuela is like a river. There's like a really big river. And so they, you need like to cross a bridge to get into Venezuela, I guess, in some areas. And um, she was saying that a lot of times the, the FARC or the ELN, they'll just like chill like hang out under the bridge and if you try to cross they they like charge you or they try or they like do some shit you know what i mean right they're, they're just trying to get money from people and and yeah i don't know i mean me like me personally you'll never catch me dead in those areas because <laughs> <laughs> they, they'll they'll spot me as a gringo right away and and that's it dude <laughs> i'm getting kidnapped or something you know what i'm saying so you, you'll never catch me over there but she was just telling me because um you know, she, she can still go into Venezuela. Uh, she's a Colombian citizen. Well, she's actually a U.S. citizen now, but 
when she was a Colombian citizen, you because they could still go back and forth. And mm-hmm. she was telling me that, yeah, like they'll just they'll just like hang out by the border and like just try to take your money. I'm like, what? <laughs> like that's crazy that they can just like do that, you know? I don't know. It's it's crazy. Yeah, every, I mean, yeah. Oh no, go ahead, go ahead. I uh, no, I was just I was just gonna say like every every time I'm in Colombia, I always kind of think about it. Um, you know, there's so many areas that you can go to and pass through where there really is like very limited government control. You know, like you have, there's some places you got to be like really, really mindful and careful because like <laughs> more, more so the rural areas, like in Medellin, when I walk around, most of the places I, I feel pretty good. I'm like, okay, this is cool. Like there's a lot of people, there's police officers everywhere. But if you go to some of like the little towns, like, like nobody's coming, you know what I'm saying? Like no one's coming yeah. to help you. Like, <laughs> like if you're in those places, like you got to be like super careful. Um, so it kind of makes sense how, like, you know, either the narcos will, like, take over the town or, like, the the FARC or the ELN will just have a lot of influence there. Um, yeah. So I, I saw, too, that the that the government's kind of in peace talks with ELN. Um, you know, how, what this is probably, what, like, the third or fourth time they've tried to do this? Like, what, what are your thoughts on, on anything coming out of that? Um, I mean... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I, I believe the their talks went well and they actually were able to get a ceasefire, which is really good news uh, for the country because you know just we, we've seen this kind of militaristic approach clamp down and just obliterate the cartel is or not just cartel, but the you know all these criminal organizations isn't really working, right? I mean, it was a little bit in the 90s um, when when the U, especially the U.S. was really helping the Colombian government but all that did was like kind of splintered these big organizations into smaller you know decentralized ones so the government's taking a different approach this time um and I think the biggest uh point you know that the ELN was kind of focusing on is the government providing resources to these rural areas that don't have resources because a lot of the farmers said it themselves. They're like, if we don't have an alternative, we're just going to go back to growing cocaine or coca and uh, marijuana because we literally don't have any alternatives. Like it's either grow drugs or starve. So if the government's able to follow through and actually bring some needed support to the region and build up the kind of infrastructure in those more rural regions, we might see success, but I don't know. I'm not going to hold my breath. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to explain. Like you have to just go there and see like people, people might not really understand though. These rural areas and like the jungle in Colombia is like no joke. Like this is like real jungle. Like you, nobody's getting in there. So if, if people listening like are wondering how can how can the FARC like you know establish their presence in these areas or how can ELN establish without like the government being able to stop them these jungles are for real like <laughs> like they're yeah. so dense and they're, and they're on like mountains like Colombia has so many mountains so it's like you know you can't it, it's impossible to really like control all of that area um you could almost argue that it has like kind of in some areas like similar terrain to like Afghanistan where like it's just giant mountains and like little villages. And it's like 
you know, how can you really control all of that? And especially those, those villages, they have no resources, no opportunities. I mean, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm curious to see how the, the peace talks actually end up. I, I know they have a ceasefire, but, um, you know, we, I feel like we've been through this before. <laughs> we've yeah. seen this before and it's kind of like, mm, you know, we'll we'll see what happens but a ceasefire is definitely a step in the right direction i mean they've been colombia has been fighting these these guerrilla fighters since what the 50s since yeah like 1950 i mean that's insane like, it's insane yeah like people people it's interesting to me because people in the states don't really ever think about it but i'm like there's literally been an insurrection going on in in colombia since the 50s a country that's really not that far from the States, you know, out of Miami, I think it's like three and a half hour flight uh, that I took. And yeah, there's like a, there was like a legitimate insurrection going on since the fifties, you know, crazy. Yeah. I I think that's one thing that we don't really think about in um, the States. It's just how diverse the region is. I mean, like you said, it's super mountain. It's really hard to rain. Um, the entire kind of west coast of South America, it's all just mountains and jungle, uh, you know, the Amazon. So it, it's a really rough region. And if you compare that to the south, like Argentina or Brazil, those countries are generally seen as, quote unquote, more successful. But that's kind of due to their terrain as well. They got flat land, so good land for agriculture. They have some you know, lots of uh, diversity with, with their geography, which kind of enables them to, to have an easier time with just building up their country, their infrastructure, everything. Like some, some places in these countries, infrastructure is like non-existent. Yeah, well, you know, I can just, you know, speak from going to Colombia. Like these, the roads, like getting things to through these roads, like, they're just on giant mountains. They're tiny little roads. Some of them are like, you know, they're not paved completely well or like, you know, they're broken up or whatever. I couldn't even imagine trying to build up infrastructure in some of these areas that are like really secluded. Like, how are you going to get all the supplies and all the personnel to go there and like establish some kind of trade route, you know? Um, I don't know. It just seems, uh, seems like a difficult task. But it's definitely possible, um, you know, there would just have to be a lot of investment in that, in those types of things. Um, but like I said, right. I mean, the, the mount, it's so mountainous there. I always think like, because I'm in the military and I'm, I always think, I'm like, damn, like the Colombian military must be pretty good. Like if they're, <laughs> if they're really like running around these mountains and like training in these mountains and conducting like legitimate operations against insurgents in mountains like that like wow like that's that's impressive and anyone who doesn't believe me can go to Colombia and try to run around with a rifle and a rucksack around those mountains and, and let me know how it goes for you because it, it's very, it's no joke like those, yes. that's, like, that's real jungle and real mountains <laughs> like it's there's no joke down there dude 100% I, I think the Colombian military probably is the best light infantry in the entire entirety of latin america i mean their their military is on point yeah it's gotta be because they're because they're also fighting the narcos too 
I mean, <laughs> you know, and, the, and those guys, I, you know, I know that like the, the majority of like the big organizations kind of move to Mexico, but there's still, they still get a lot of the, um, the paste and everything. I don't know exactly what it's called, but the stuff that you, they make the cocaine with from Colombia, correct? Cause yes. The, Cause Colombia has such a good climate to grow the cocaine plants. Uh, yeah. So, so I, I, you know, they still, they still doing a lot of business down there. <laughs> it's, it's actually interesting. We were seeing these kind of transnational criminal organizations in, you know, Colombia, Ecuador, um, like the Mexicans by far, the Mexican cartels are huge down there. They kind of, um, use the region as this middle ground right to transport right like the the coca is grown in colombia and then it'll either exit through the ports to mexico or it'll go through countries like ecuador through their ports or it'll find its way down through peru um into the the southern countries you know into paraguay into argentina and brazil like it's it's crazy. It's a transcontinental cocaine drug trading system they have developed. It's impressive. Yeah, right. It's crazy. So in in a country like Argentina, is there a lot of cartel business going on that far south? Um I would say yes and no. There's a definitely a large amount of drugs in the country, um, especially due to the rivers, the drugs will go from, you know, like I said, from Colombia down into Paraguay and then from Paraguay, it will go down the rivers into port cities like, uh, Rosario or, um, Rosario is definitely like the biggest fucking hub, I guess, for criminal activity in Argentina. I mean, their homicide rate is insane. Um, it's a very dangerous city. And that's also the city where uh, Messi's from, which is oh, okay. interesting uh, side fact. But yeah, um, but it's not it's not as pronounced, I guess uh, you can say, as other countries where the cartel are out in the open doing their operations. It's more kind of an underground kind of thing, right? They use countries like Argentina and Uruguay to conduct business, right? So you'll see like high level, I guess. Uh, cartel meetings going down in those kind of countries um but it's not it's not like mexico where you have you know sicarios out in the open just schwacking people yeah dude dude mexico is fucking crazy bro it, it is i mean i i've done some work uh with mexico and just the stuff i've seen it's it's really crazy yeah like they don't give a fuck down there bro like it's whatever like they run the show like wherever yeah. they are, like they run the show. They're not even trying to hide it, you know. Yeah, they're they're out in the open. You know, yeah. they they openly control towns. Yeah, I mean, some of that's got to be some like corruption from like the police too, right? Because I've seen footage of like police officers like shaking hands with you know cartel members in the past, and I'm like, okay, well, obviously these cops are being paid off, and either that or they just. They don't want to deal with getting into, you know, a combat scenario with cartel members who probably have better weapons, you know. I mean, yeah, like, that's like, dude, like those cartels have like legit like 
weaponry you know yeah <laughs> like you you would need to go in with like the military to really like actually fight those guys i mean think about it if you're a cop in some rural mexican uh, town right your your police department's underfunded 100% you you're understaffed underequipped and these cartels are coming to you it's kind of i i'm not saying it's right but if you're in that situation, you don't really have a choice. It's either you take the bribes, you shut your mouth, you 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 work with them, or you die. Like right. no one's gonna come to your to help you in that situation. You're all on your own. Yeah, and like none of like law enforcement's not getting paid well. Like the military's not getting paid well. It's like, do I just decide to risk my life for this small paycheck, or do I go home to my family every day? You know. And yeah. Yeah. Like, I, it, I, I don't know. I see you, you see that, too, in Colombia as well. Like, I feel like I don't know, man. I, I It's just crazy. Like, so just uh, just to give an example, like this doesn't have anything to do with drugs or anything. But like if you walk around some of the towns or even in some of the malls or the villages, right, like they'll have stores with clothing, shoes, whatever. And everything in that store will just be counterfeit. Like it's all mm-hmm. fake. And this is like I'm talking about like a brick and mortar like store, like a legitimate <laughs> store in a mall, and they'll just be selling counterfeit fake stuff. And it's like nobody like I don't know, nobody cares. Like people buy it or like they I don't know if they pay off the cops a little bit here or there. Like it's just nobody cares. Like you can just do stuff like that, you know? I don't know that that that's just crazy to me. Like that they have like legitimate stores whatever that they're just you know hustling just like fake gucci or dolce and gabbana out of these stores and nobody cares and they're everywhere like so much counterfeit stuff goes through um i don't know i always just see that i just find that interesting whenever i'm down there i'm like wow nobody cares (laughs) yeah it's just whatever like oh yeah this is here you know whatever pay the cops a little bit and they leave you alone i don't know that's that's something that always worries me when you know I go down there, um, especially if I'm like you know walk around at night by myself and I, I don't feel safe with the cops around, right? Dude, I, I'm like... never walking around down there by myself. <laughs> You're crazy, bro. <laughs> if I'm down there, like I'm with a few people. I'm usually like with my wife and her family or whatever. <clears throat> you know, like I'm not I'm not walking around there by myself. <laughs> no, but um. I feel like I, I kind of um, blend in a little bit with the people. If I don't open my mouth, you know, if I don't speak Spanish, uh, I feel like from afar, I, I'm not drawing attention, right? I don't, I feel like I don't look like a gringo, right? Uh, yeah. Just because, you know, my skin complexion, I got some tattoos and stuff. I, I look like an Argentinian, which okay. is to my advantage, right? Yeah. Definitely. Um, Definitely. And when I'm with my girlfriend, I, I don't open my mouth at all. I just let her do all the talking. <laughs> yeah that's funny i do the same thing <laughs> i tell my wife the same thing i'm like yeah i'm just not gonna open my mouth like maybe some people will just assume like a really light skin like <laughs> spanish guy maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah no nah, but it, it's cool though man i, I love going down there because it, it really is like something to see right like w- when you're flying into Colombia, like you just the mountains are so beautiful they're popping up through the clouds, like you're flying like right next to these mountains. It really is like a crazy thing to see. Like, I, you know, I don't know. I recommend everyone go and visit because 
I really enjoy my time there. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I feel like we we have this misconception in the States, like, oh, my God, Latin America, that whole region, it's poor. It's it's uh, super unsafe. I would never go down there. I just want to go to Europe because they're just like us. They have all this, you know, fancy stuff. Yeah, but, but Europe. It's it- not like that. Yeah, no, I mean, and and Europe has like its dangerous areas too. Like Europe yeah. isn't Europe isn't like this completely safe place. Um, I actually I spent nine months in Europe uh, with the military, and I do have to say Germany was pretty awesome, uh, pretty safe. I didn't really feel like I was unsafe anywhere when I was kind of there, but you know, there's definitely there's definitely areas in Europe that are just as dangerous as South America. I mean, you know, don't. Don't get it twisted. Um, yeah, dude, I don't know. I, I can't wait to go back I, uh, to, <laughs> to Colombia again. I love going there. But I do want to go to, to Argentina, though. I hear good things. Um, I've never been, but I, I want to go. And I want to go to Chile, too. I hear Chile is really safe. Um, yeah, Ch- yeah. How it's been described to me, Chile is basically like Florida. It's yeah. just. <laughs> yeah. They got so much coastline. Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard that Chile is really safe. Um, you know, it's like anywhere. You just gotta be smart about your surroundings and like, no, okay, you know, I'm not gonna go to this bad area or whatever. Um, but like I said, when I was in Medellin, man, it it seems like everything seems to be getting a little nicer there. I can't speak on like other cities. You know, it might just be that because it's like a big city and a lot of tourism goes on there but it seemed like it was getting a lot nicer i don't know that's just from what i see i don't know what the numbers are but <laughs> but that's just you know my experience of it um no 100 percent. i think i think uh medellin is like probably one of the biggest tourist locations in south america you know especially i feel like a lot of americans go to colombia just how the flights are, you know, how it's, it's not that much of a pain in the ass to fly to Columbia and, you know, it's not that far either. It's yeah. It's definitely a big tourist place. Yeah. And everyone wants to go down there and see what, you know, where Pablo used to to do his business. (laughs) (laughs) I went to one of his houses. It was pretty cool. Um, They, they made like a museum out of one of his stash houses. I got to see, like, the little escape room, like, escape doors he had that would, like, lead to tunnels and stuff. Uh, it was pretty cool. Uh, interesting. So, uh, so what else? So, what else is going on in South America? Let's see. Um, well, let's see. We got the, the presidential elections going on in Ecuador in August. So something to to look out for see you know what type of government gets elected um probably the biggest event happening this year for south america is argentina's presidential election that's going on in october and that has major uh potential for i guess the catastrophic event going down either uh, massive protest or I mean either way there's gonna be protests just looking at the political landscape of Argentina but 
just seeing what type of government gets elected is probably the the biggest thing that everyone's um, watching. So basically, whoever wins the election, it doesn't matter. The other side is going to protest. Yes, it just depends on the scale, I guess, um, and how close the elections are. If the the elections are very close, we're going to probably see a lot of protest. Um, But if it's not as close, uh, you know, the other side concedes and there, there isn't political bickering or any kind of um, allegations of voter fraud or, or anything like that, then it, it should just be minor protests, but it depends. Who's in power right now in Argentina? Right now, the, the current government is a, a Peronist government under Alberto Fernandez and uh, Cristina Kirchner. And Christina Kirchner is very, very, very unpopular, I guess. Um, in Argentina, she also has her supporters. She's a divisive figure. Um, she, she's seen as very corrupt. Um, the United States, back in March, I believe it was Ted Cruz and some other uh, senators proposed investigating her and some other um, top-level Argentinian officials for corruption. It's it looks really bad for her. Uh, we're talking about like millions of dollars um, being stolen from the government. Oh wow! So, yeah, she she's she's not running. I believe um, she announced she's not running, and the current president announced he's not going to run either. So it's it's up for the grabs right now. What what side of the aisle is the current um, like regime? I guess are they more like right or left? Left, super left. They're super left. Okay. Yeah. Um, they've they've um, they were in power pretty much throughout the entirety of the two thousands, except for um, the the prior president McCry. He was more center right. Um, and yeah, after um, I mean, inflation started you know being an issue probably in like two thousand tens. But you see, like a super large increase from McCry to the current president. Like it, it, the inflation just shot up. Mm, interesting. So who, who's like the front runner? Do you think to win the election as it stands right now? That's difficult to say. There's this one guy. His name is Javier Mili, or Mile. Uh, he is a right wing populist he's a, a self-proclaimed uh, libertarian right so he has a lot of those libertarian values he he's a former economist so he studied economics he's not just like some random guy um, outside the political establishment uh, he's he's built up a pretty big following um, he he has some extreme views uh, so super libertarian, but at the same time, he's also against abortion. And he said some pretty divisive stuff about, um, you know, I guess just how he views women, right? Oh, wow. So he's he's popular among uh, younger men and also more affluent people in Argentina. So he's definitely a potential candidate. 
he's garnered a lot of support. But from what I've seen, it's not widespread support. It's not like he's sweeping the country, right? He right. definitely has his supporters, but it's not like you know him versus the left, right? There's also um, some centrist candidates from our, Argentina's main opposition party, the PRO. Uh, they, they're putting up multiple candidates. I, there's been some infighting in the party, so that's why. But you have some establishment politicians, uh, some politicians who have um, a good track record. Uh, let's see, you have uh, Loretta. He was the former mayor of Buenos Aires. And that's kind of like, if you compare Argentina's politics kind of to like Turkey, you'll see like the most, I guess, influential politicians are the ones who control the, you know, the big cities. So like Buenos Aires in the case of Argentina, in the case of Turkey, like Istanbul, right? So Loretta was the former mayor. Um, there's also this other one. Her name is uh, Bullrich, Bullrich. B-U-L-L-R-I-C-H. Um, she is another center-right kind of politician. They, um, the PRO is much more in line with the West, right? They have very favorable views of the United States, of Israel. They kind of want to pull Argentina away from China and Russia and more towards the U.S. Uh, the establishment party, or not the establishment party, but the current ruling party, the Peronist they, they're much more antagonistic towards the West. They're moving Argentina into the sphere of influence of China, Russia, Brazil. They're trying to move away from the West. Um, but I, I don't know if if they're going to win this election because, I mean, just seeing what happened with the entire country's political situation, you know, with the economic crisis going on in the country, I don't know if their party is going to get reelected. The, the current um, finance economic minister, he's um, Sergio Massa. He's running um, as like kind of the Peronist camps um, candidate. But I mean, think about it. Argentina is having this massive economic crisis. Are you going to vote for the economic minister who's been overseeing this crisis? <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> but Again, it's super divisive down there. People kind of vote along party lines, right? Ah, uh, okay. There's yeah. there's this kind of view that everyone is just not satisfied, right? They they just see all these candidates as garbage and they're voting for the the lesser evil. Interesting. Interesting. I feel like I don't know, I feel like we kind of do that a lot here too. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I, I saw parallels between yeah, Argentina just, and here. <laughs> yeah, people are just like, well, I just really don't like that person, so I'll just vote for this person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, seems to be a common occurrence in politics. So what what's going on? What's going on in Brazil? Like, you know, I know Brazil kind of is pretty. Um, you know, they, they, they like doing business with China. They like dealing with Russia. Um, what's go, what's going on down there? Like, first of all, who, who is the president in Brazil right now? Who took over? Uh, Lula, president Lula. He was yeah. former president too, Brazil. Right. And he, right. Lula, he was former president and he's, he's more on the left, right? Yes. Yeah. 
So why is why is uh, Brazil? Why are they so sympathetic towards like China and Russia? I, I wouldn't say they're they're sympathetic. I mean, Brazil's really trying to position itself as this kind of third outside of the main two camps, like this middle kind of power, right? They don't. They're trying to to, to promote themselves as non-aligned, right? Kind of like India during the the Cold War, right? They're trying to play off of both sides, but you can see that Lula is definitely um, pulling away from the United States. Uh, there's there's some tension going on there, uh, you know, just with the stuff we see, like him trying to de-dollarize Brazil and trying to promote a common currency between Argentina and Brazil and promoting trade and investment from China, all that stuff, Right. Yeah, um, that's that's why I've seen him do that. I, I saw he's been trying to like, yeah, like kind of, you know, make a make a currency and and I don't know. He's been he's been dealing with China a lot lately, and uh, I don't know. It seems interesting to me because Brazil is like you said, Brazil's the powerhouse of South America. So um, I don't know that could have some big implications for the U.S. Yeah, hundred percent. And the thing is too with Brazil, Brazil's just such a large country, right? With such a large population the, the views of the government don't necessarily represent the views of the people. Brazil, again, is super divided along um, political ideology. There's still lots of supporters for Bolsonaro uh, and they do not like what's going on with the, cur- uh, the current government. We've also kind of seen the government kind of go after Bolsonaro um, and his people who were in government uh, there's massive case going on against Bolsonaro regarding um, COVID and him falsifying his uh, COVID vaccine um, records and also stuff going on with COVID funds, a lot of investigation um, into him for corruption and stuff like that. So I, I don't know, I guess um, Lula, I guess Lula kind of saw the United States as, especially the United States under Trump, supporting Bolsonaro's government and kind of supporting the things Bolsonaro done has done. And they, they don't like the United States for that. Um, especially after what happened with the, the elections and the Bolsonaro uh, supporters kind of pulled the January 6th kind of thing. Bolsonaro went to, to Florida. He was just like chilling in I don't know if it was Miami or something. It was weird. I saw a video of him just like walking around a, a supermarket, just like a normal guy. And it's like, well, this is the former president of Brazil, just like chilling <laughs> in Florida. <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, he went to Florida. I saw footage of him with like the Oculus, uh, like VR stuff on. He's like playing games. I'm like, dude, <laughs> I'm like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, pretty funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did see that they had that their own little version of like January 6th down there. Pretty crazy while he's just chilling in Florida. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I found, I don't know. I found that interesting. I, I noticed that Brazil was kind of try, like lately trying to pull away from the U S and I was like, hmm. I don't know. But yeah, I get, but that, that does kind of sound interesting how maybe they kind of kind of want to be like india because india does they just play both sides they kind of just mm-hmm. look out for their own interests which i mean if you're if you're like the leader of india i mean that I, I guess that's kind of smart 
you're kind of like, yeah, I don't know. We're, we're looking out for ourselves, you know? Makes sense. I don't know. <laughs> right. And in, in Latin America, there's just this view that the United States, rightfully so, is just this power that doesn't see them as equals, that sees them as pawns, right? Just interfering with their, their politics and just, um, you know, the United States with Operation Condor uh, did bad things. So there, there is this suspicious kind of um, view towards the United States, a lot of animosity, right? Um, I've seen people, you know, blame the U.S., for their country's woes. And especially if you're a populist uh, political leader, that's like free chicken. You just play right into it. Like, yeah, the U.S. are the ones messing up our economy. That's why our economy is so messed up. The U.S. is the (laughs) enemy, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's easy. That's easy to say. You know, it's funny. uh, When I was in Colombia, we, we were getting a ride in a cab from a Venezuelan dude. And he was like, honestly, like saying stuff like that. Like, oh, the reason Venezuela is doing so bad is because of the U.S. And it's the U.S.'s fault for this and the U.S.'s fault for that. I'm like, dude, (laughs) I was like, no, bro. Venezuela has a lot of issues that don't have to do with the U.S. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's important kind of to see the middle ground, right? Like, yes, the U.S. is responsible for a lot of the region's issues, uh, especially, you know, with drugs. Like, the demand in the U.S. is crazy for these drugs, right? But at the same time, there's also structural issues plaguing these countries that need to be addressed. So I think it's important for both sides to kind of acknowledge this and, and work together. You're seeing this, like, antagonism against one another like politicians there politicians here blaming each other for what's going on instead of cooperating yeah i mean i'll definitely get i'll definitely give them the fact that there is a huge demand for drugs in the u.s which definitely has caused you know like has enabled the narcos to pretty much take over down there because there's so much demand like i I understand that but yeah there's definitely some issues that they can address in their own countries, you know, that the U.S. doesn't have anything to do with, that they could make it a little bit better, you know, in certain certain scenarios, for sure. Yeah, I realize that's not the appealing answer, I guess, right? Like, everyone's looking towards these uh, solutions, like, no, it's their fault. They, they, everything's wrong with them. They need to do this, and then, no, you need to do this, and it's kind of like, oh, you guys are both wrong. You know, no, that's not going to be a popular answer. I, re- I recognize that, but I feel like, you know, with these complex issues, it's always like that. It's not just a simple fix. It's multiple routes to these issues that need to be addressed from multiple different angles. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, man. So tell me, like, what what do you think? the u.s like needs to do to really like regain the trust back from different countries in south america or vice versa you know what i mean like it, I, I know this is a complicated answer because every country's different everyone has a view but like what do you think the u.s could do maybe to try and i don't know create more investment in south america create more trade opportunities have more influence in the region that that helps both sides. Like, is there any, is there anything you can think of or? Is yeah. That, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is something I, I actually thought a lot about. Uh, it started with um, 
the U.S. kind of inflammatory rhetoric towards Mexico, saying like we're gonna fucking oh I, I don't I don't know if I can curse or not. And so I apologize for that. Oh, but, you curse it. Yeah, just we're gonna kick in the door and shoot all the cartels in the face. Move out of the way, Mexico. Like that kind of rhetoric really pissed off the Mexicans, and rightfully so. I mean, uh, even if their country's you know messed up as hell. Um, it's kind of their country still it doesn't give us the right to kick in their door and start blasting people. Um, and that, that would just harden the cartels kind of, uh, I guess their propaganda towards the U S look, the U S are invading us. The U S are the bad guys. Right. So it, this stuff people don't think about, but I think the first thing the U S can kind of do is recognize the diversity of the region. Um, and I'm sure if you ask many people in the U.S., you know, what they think about Latin America, they'll give this kind of monolithic answer of uh, talking about like Mexicans. Like the U.S. needs to recognize that Latin America is so diverse and so different um, that that kind of helps uh, these countries feel like, you know, they're being taken serious and their 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 views and concerns are actually being considered. Right. Like. For example, you know, the biggest issue is drugs, 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 right? Well, maybe a country like um, Argentina or Chile, like that's not their concerns, right? They don't have cartels running the show in their countries. They, they have other concerns. So just addressing the, the concerns of these different countries would help. Um, kind of also cooling it with the rhetoric, right? They, they you know, we, we have this very antagonistic view towards the entirety of the region, like all of them are, are coming into the country illegally and all this stuff, right? That's just obviously not making these people be, you know, more willing to work with us if, if they see this kind of hostile rhetoric. But that also comes from the, the, um, the other side too, like in Latin America, they, they, you know, they always say like these gringos, blah, 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 right? This kind of hostile rhetoric towards us as well. So, that would be a good step in the direction uh, re readjusting our foreign policy. Cause right now the U S is like heavily focusing on Ukraine, focusing on China, rightfully so they should, there is a major geopolitical um, issues. Right. But we should also kind of focus on Latin America, focus on our own kind of region. Right. So kind of reapproach these countries in a more cooperative bilateral way. But it's also kind of difficult to, again, there's both sides, both sides. It's kind of difficult too for U.S. companies to invest when these countries are so hostile to U.S. Country, um, companies. Mm. Like with these left-leaning governments, they're implementing a lot of you know regulations and lots of bureaucracy. And if I'm a business owner in the U.S., I'm not going to, want to move operations to a country that has all this bureaucracy and that's so hostile to me getting started in your country. I'm just going to go somewhere that's more business friendly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Of course, I wouldn't want to have to like pay more money in a place that doesn't even want me there, you know? Exactly. So yeah, it's, it's multifaceted approach, right? Just kind of focusing on those things, little by little, it's going to be a very gradual process, right? There's years of animosity and distrust between the U.S. and Latin America, but 
little by little, building up that trust would definitely help. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a that would be a really smart approach that could help both sides for sure. So, uh, so yeah, man, I think this is a good spot to end it. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to mention? Uh, just one little piece. Um, that's why we're kind of seeing China enter the region. China's seen as this outsider who, you know, they China's never until you know recently started issues with Latin America, right? So they're like, I'm just gonna go with this guy. This guy respects me more than the U.S. It's, that's super simplified version, but yeah, right. They're, they're not exactly like buddy buddy with China, right? If you look at just our culture and our history, we have much more in common with Latin America, but they're kind of going to China out of necessity. Yeah, right, right, which is scary, <laughs> but <laughs> I guess it makes sense why they would do that. Yeah, of course. But yeah, it, it was great. Um, thank you for having me on. Yeah, anytime, man. Anytime you want to come on, just hit me up. I'm always down. Um, for the listeners, definitely visit South America. It's awesome down there. I can speak personally to Colombia. I love Colombia. You've been to Argentina. Obviously, visit Argentina. It's great. Um, and yeah, do you? So I see you have your Instagram. Do you have anything? Any other uh, platforms that you're on, or is it just the Instagram? Nope, just the Instagram. Nice, nice. Yeah, I'm pretty much just on Instagram, too. I have a Telegram, but, like, I don't try to, like, really build it up. I don't know. I like to post on Instagram more. Um, that's just me. Oh, and I have the podcast, too. <laughs> yep, can't forget the podcast. <laughs> I, love, I don't know. I like talking to people about stuff. It, makes me, it helps me learn, you know. So, yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. All right. I mean, take care, man. All right. Take it easy.